So this is Lauren Fiorelli, and I'm here at the Greenpoint branch of the Brooklyn Public Library for Our Streets, Our Stories, and I'm sitting here with Lois, what's your last name? Rivette. Rivette. Um, and today's December 19th, uh, 2015. Um, Lois, tell me all about Brooklyn and you. You want to know about Brooklyn? Well, and you. I go back, I'm 82 years of age. I lived, was born on the Lower East Side, and then migrated to various parts of Brooklyn, where my mom and my father took me. And uh, the different areas that I lived in had different stories, you know, different things. It was a different time when I was younger growing up. I was uh, born right after, uh, I was born in 1933, okay. And right after the uh, stock market crashed and President Roosevelt was getting everybody back into uh, the things, building things and getting people to work. It was a different time. People were poor, but they got together. And uh, there were times when people didn't have uh, an apartment anymore or a home because they didn't have the money. And the neighbors got together and made a party in the street, a street party. They baked, they cooked, they sold, and all the proceeds went to the family who needed it most. And uh, then there were other times when we hosted farewell parties for young men that were going overseas. You know, it was a sad time, but it was a good time. But the sad time was some of them never came back. But I don't want to dwell on misery. I want to dwell on the nice time. It was nice. People got together. People were friendly. You could sleep on your fire escape. You wouldn't have to worry about anybody bothering you. Nobody called you any dirty names, you know. Um, it was, well, you had, if you had a, a, a thing against a person, it was the person. Say, I hate Bobby Jones. I don't like Bobby Jones. But it was Bobby, not the Jones family that you didn't like, you know. And then there was time we'd go, all right, growing up, I'm going, skipping around, I used to root for the Brooklyn Dodgers down on Flappish Avenue, Bedford and Flappish. And uh, times were hard, and sometimes I couldn't get enough money to get a ticket with like 55, 65 cents, but we didn't have it. So we, my girlfriend and I, we made friends with one of the attendants in Ebbetsfield, and he would sneak us into the game. We'd go there, like, say, maybe after the second or third inning, and we'd bang on the, the rolled-down door, and then he'd pull it all the way up, and we'd sneak in, and we'd get into the ball game for nothing. Or we would stand outside on Bedford Avenue. Uh, there was a, ga a gas station there, and the boys would come with their uh, gloves, to hit a home run, if you, I mean, if they you caught a home run ball and it was from one of the Brooklyn Dodgers, you would bring it to the rotunda, and they would even give you a, a ticket or they would let you get into the game. That's how I saw most of those games, you know, the sneaking in and, and catching. But it was a it was a different time. We used to go to um, after the ball game. There was a bowling alley, right? Freddie Fitzsimmons Bowling Alley on uh, Flatbush Avenue. Most of the ball players used to go in there and hang out after it, you know, calm down. Some of them went to a bar, but, you know, the younger ones went to there. Then we went to Empire Roller Rink, and we'd roller skate, and we'd be over there with some of the Dodgers, and we would have fun. But uh, it was a different time. 
it, it was a, a, I, I would like to go back to that time. About would, how old were you when, when you were doing, going to all the games? And... Uh, let me see. I was, hmm. I first started knowing about baseball when I was about eight, nine years old. And I had to be like 13, 14 when I would be sneaking in. No, 12 or 13. My girlfriend and I sneaking into the games or going on Blackfish Avenue showing the case of walls. And I had a favorite baseball player. His name was Pee Wee Reese. And we had a club, a Brooklyn Dodger club. I was Pee Wee Reese. She was Carl Fruit. My girlfriend was Carl Ferrillo. And we were all there. And we were at that particular game when that Jackie Robinson played for the first time, the first black player ever to play baseball. And he played in Ebbets Field, and it was a shame what they did to him. They started throwing tomatoes and apples and everything and booing him. And all he wanted to do was play baseball, which he wanted and which we enjoyed. But and you the were there? Yeah, the people were crazy. And they just, they didn't care, you know, called foul language and stuff like that. But he was very Brazilian. He was a very, very sweet person. And... Uh, Usually before the game or after the game, you could get an autograph from him. He would, no matter what they did to him, you could get an autograph from him. And he wouldn't say anything, you know, bad. But it was a different a different time. Now, sometimes there's a lot of baseball players, I would say nothing. Not so much good things about them, you know. But times were different. Also, when I was younger, my, I said that my grandparents lived on the Lower East Side. My uh, grandfather was uh, a janitor of one of the buildings on Clinton Street. And my mom used to take the trolley car, believe it or not, over the Williamsburg Bridge and go to see him, get off and see him. And he would tell me stories. And there was this one particular story that always stayed in my mind is that years and years ago, there was a Jewish gangster named Bugsy Siegel. Mm. And he, for some reason, mother used to sit on the stoop where my grandfather was the janitor, the custodian, they call him now. And he would be with his friends and they would be screaming and yelling and, and, and doing all crazy things. And my poor grandfather would go crazy doing it. And getting him out of there, and a couple of times, he would. My mother told me he yelled at him, "You're gonna be in jail. You're gonna. You're gonna be in jail." And sure enough, later on, he said was, a, the, he, was a, he was a gangster. And I told my mom, "I must have little did I know that my father was gonna know a gangster and call him a gangster before he was a gangster." <laughs> but uh, it, it was it was funny. And then there was. Um, I'm trying to think. It's driving me crazy. This one actor that my mom used to go over here to the Henry Street Settlement yeah. and they used to have dances on a Saturday night. And my mother would go there and uh, there was this one good looking guy my mother told me that he would ask her to dance and my mom liked to dance and so she said, okay, sure, you know, she go and dance. And her sister came over and her sister says, who are you dancing with? So my mother said, I don't know, he asked me to dance and I want to dance, so I danced. Later on, my mom found out he became a movie star. I can't think his name was tall, dark looking. Uh, um, and he he played in musicals. 
then when later on he became um he had a gangster role so that you know not too good a, do you remember any of the movies that he might have been in? Hmm? Do you remember any of the movies that he might have been in? No, this is going. This is one of those long-term memories that I, <laughs> I, I going deep, going, going. But I could see his face. I really could see his face, and uh, he reminded my mom a little bit about uh, Rudolph Valentino, mm -hmm. the Sheik. That was he was silent film star. Okay, and all the women used to go crazy about him, you know. But my mother, God rest her soul was had a favorite and her favorite was um oh lord have mercy he played in blood and sand he played in a few movies good looking and yeah i can't think of his name lord god let me but anyway, my mom was nuts about him, and you couldn't say anything bad about him. And then after he passed away, you know, later on in years, he passed away. And they did this show on television about some of these actors and what their sexual preferences were. And it turned out that he was gay. <laughs> Not only was he gay, but he died of some kind of an illness, which they're saying was... At that time, yeah. linked to AIDS, right? You know. Oh, what was his name? Oh, Tyrone Power. Okay, okay, yeah. Tyrone Power, and my mom was nuts about him. Well, I have to laugh. He was cute. <laughs> Did she ever meet him? Or no, no, only in the movies when okay. she was going to the movies. But when she found out that he passed away and what were they were saying about him, and she says, "Oh no, 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 no," she refused to believe that. And mm -hmm. I said, "Yeah, my just like Rock Hudson. Nobody knew that Rock Hudson was gay either, you know." But you know, that's how, like I said, I mean, cover a lot of things growing up, different parts. Yeah, what were the different neighborhoods that you grew up in? Like what? Okay, I grew from? up on uh, Throop Avenue. Okay. Was the only Jewish girl in the confraternity in All Saints Church. <laughs> and uh, used to go to the dances over there, and used to even though I was Jewish, I would go to midnight mass with my friends, sunrise services for Easter. And my mom didn't like it, but my girlfriends and their parents, you know, liked it. And I lived there for a while, and uh, then I moved to East New York, but then. I didn't like East New York at that time. How old were you then? What was I, I was about, well, I moved there later. About I was about 13, and then I came back to... Uh, you were 13 when, when you moved to East New York? Yeah. With your family or? Yeah, with my mom. Yeah. And then, then we came back. And because uh, we had been there before and everything, you know, on, it was on Thrupe Avenue. It was a nice little place. And... Uh, then later on, I met my husband, and I got married and moved away from there. So mm -hmm. went to East New York to go live, back there again. But then later on, I then came back, and we uh, moved back here to Brooklyn. We lived in Williamsburg, and I've been living in Williamsburg in the same building for over 30 years. Oh, wow. Because I live in a project. Yeah. Over 30 years. And uh, things have changed, you know. It, it's not like it used to. There were, uh, now they have this regentrification, and I lived on Hooper Street, Hooper, uh, yeah, Hooper near Marcy, 
a couple of times and uh, that was a neighborhood that you wouldn't go out after three o'clock in the street you know you the, you know that thing movie uh, that TV thing it's 10 o'clock you know where your kids are yeah they better be in bed you know but now you couldn't go there now you can't afford to live there that's the gen that everything that's turned around and uh, it, it's the streets I don't know if they're getting better or not, but I kind of wish they would have stayed the same. What is it that you miss? I miss the companionship with people, you know, the the um, togetherness, you know. Not, not everybody is out for themselves, you know, and uh, uh, the closeness that you had when you were growing up, the friends, the neighbors. You know, and nobody, everybody now is for themselves, you know, later for you, you know, uh, get a good job. They don't want help if you have somebody, you know, somebody that may want to, needs a job. Nobody helps. Nobody looks anymore. It's all for one and you, and that's it. And that's what bothers me because I brought my kids up to my mom. God bless her. She always used to say to me, when you're growing up, Talk to somebody, say hello, how are you? How do you feel? Because you never know when you're going to need those people. And the fact that you're saying hello, nothing comes out of your pocket. It's free. And you'd be surprised the help you can get. And I get help with this walker. People come from, they'll see me and they know I'm going to go. They run right to the door and open up the door. This is what reminds me of how it was when I was growing up. People help people. Do you still have relationships with some of your neighbors in your area since you've been there so long? Or Part of my neighbor, like my granddaughter, came a couple of times when she was about eight, nine years old. And she said, Grandma, let's go see where you live. I said, oh, where I don't live. She goes, no, 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 let's go see where you live. And we took the car and we drove out to Sloop Avenue. And I lived between Sloop, between uh, Whipple and Wallabout. The house that I lived in was no longer there. It was torn down. It was a lot. And it was empty when what was there was empty. Yeah. yeah, and all the buildings around there that I could go to, like they built on Broadway, they built these the Lindsay Park projects, and, well houses, very expensive houses, and that's where we used to hang out. There used to be a bar over there called Sam and Curly's, and we used to go there and have the parties for the soldiers to go, our friends to go overseas and yeah. we party over there and that's not there anymore you know so lots of things are gone from there what about the bar you went to after the baseball games dad's gone too what was that called uh that was uh no we didn't go to the bar we went oh, right. to the roller rink freddie Fitzsimmons bowling alley the bowling alley and empire road mm -hmm. job right yeah and did uh did jackie robinson ever come out to any of those you said some of the no, dodgers because he, it, that was a time where he, it was dangerous for him because people didn't, you know, black this, black that, you know, all the names and stuff they called him. But uh, it was, he, he feared for his life a couple of times, you know, so he didn't go. But all the other ones, uh, uh, Pee Wee Reese, uh, Carl Ferrillo, Ralph Branca, uh, we see Johnny Jorgensen, Don Newcomb, Roy Campanella, pitcher. There was one. There was one incident. We used to hang out and wait for the ball players, and uh, he's dead now. Uh, uh, Ralph Kiner. 
he used to play for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I was there one day and I was looking for a job because I was 14 years old and I was graduating from junior high and I wanted to get an autograph. And he says, I don't give autographs to girls. And I said, you're going to be sorry. And he said, why? I said, well, because girls are the backbone of the world, of the country, you know? I said, if it wasn't for girls, you wouldn't be here. So he said, I don't give girls autographs. Girls shouldn't be worrying about baseball. They should be doing things for the house. So I says to him, Mr. Kiner, you may be a nice guy, but what's going to happen today is you're not going to get on base. You're not going to get a base hit. You're not going to get a home run. You're not going to a base on balls. You're going to go up one, two, three, a sit. All nine innings, you're going to be sitting on the bench. And he said, what are you, a witch? And I said, yeah. And we went home. And I came home and I listened to the, the radio. I turned the radio on and uh, to hear what thing. And he didn't get, he wasn't getting on base at all. So I called up my girlfriend. I told her what happened. She said, let's go there tomorrow and we'll see if we can see him. The next day, we didn't go. They were playing a three-game set. It was the day, day after we went down there. And uh, we saw him, and he saw me. I says, you're still not giving autographs to girls? Get away. Wouldn't it? And I said, so my girlfriend, Sandy, says to him, you know, Mr. Kinder, we thought you were a nice guy, you know? The fact that you didn't even get on, on, on the field, and you're still being a nasty man. So he says, all right, Jimmy, I'll give you your autograph. I says, you know something? I don't want it now. And you walked away? And I walked away. You psyched him out. Yeah, I said, I don't want it now. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Hmm. But that's, you know, my yeah. thing. Do you we still follow were... baseball now? Oh, I love baseball. Do you, what, do you, do you like Met the New York fans. team? Mets? Mets. Nope. Do Nothing but games? a Mets fan. Do you go to the games? Yeah, I go some of the games and watch them on television. If I can afford it, and I go to if I can't go to the game, I go to the Cyclones, the Brooklyn Cyclones, because they remind me of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah, you know, and uh, that's you know that's it. I love baseball, baseball and football. Any other sport, I hate basketball because uh, when I was in high school, I was on the uh, cheering squad. Our team never won a game. <laughs> they were so bad. <laughs> they were so bad. And I swore after that, after that, uh, after that one semester there, where I said I'm not going to be a, a, a cheering leader uh, squad anymore. I said I hate basketball. It t my team in high school taught me to hate basketball. They <laughs> oh, did. Yeah, yeah. Because, because they never won. They never won a game. But they go all over. Thomas Jefferson, uh, all these. Uh, uh, Brooklyn Automotive, all these hit places to go play uh, uh, ball. And they never won a game. So I hated basketball after that. <laughs> never liked basketball. It's a shame. Well, do you have anything else to share with me about, about living in Brooklyn, growing up in... I think most of most of it is... Uh, I really don't like this regentrification in some, some parts. I really don't. I would like to have had it maybe tapered off when it used to be, because times do change, you know. And uh, I, I still like to go back. Every once in a while, I think back to what used to be. And uh, there's another little story. When I was living on Hooper Street, I don't know if you know, going into wrestling, 
but there was a wrestling star now. He was world wrestling champion, Pedro Morales. And uh, when I lived on Hooper Street, his uh, sister and brother-in-law was the super of the building. And uh, he had just come from overseas. He came from Culebra, Puerto Rico. He was about 17 years old. And he stayed with them and uh, couldn't speak English, couldn't speak English, but he needed a job. So somebody told him to go and try wrestling. And in those days, when you try, you get maybe $10 if you fall down and $15 if you win. It was fixed. It really was fixed. Okay. But he did that. He did that. And later on, he became... Uh, world champ and when but I used to call him Pete sneaky Pete when there was um, he used to come like um, he had a girlfriend he liked this one girl Jenny and uh, he used to come on if he worked on a Sunday he'd come up knocking on my door because down down on Grand Street used to be Republic Bakery they used to sell bagels and uh, yeah, well, bagels and rolls, mostly bagels. And he would come, and he'd come all the way up to my door and knock on my door and say, Luisa, I got bagels. You get coffee. <laughs> so I used to make the coffee. He would tell me all about his little things, how he was. He says, I'm working Wednesday. He said, but I have to lose. I go, why? He says, because they, they can't have too many people winning. But he used to do it. He'd make like $25, you know. And then when he became world champion, well, I lost contact with him. But uh, later on, there was the, uh, on Mossy Avenue, Mossy near uh, Division, there was a Y, the Brooklyn uh, YMCA. But they're not there anymore. Some city organization owns it. But they were doing this thing for him you know, uh, back to Brooklyn Day for uh, Pedro Morales. And uh, I didn't realize that, you know, I had to shop and make groceries and stuff. And I started, all of a sudden, I said, what's going on? And all oh, they're making this thing for Pedro Morales. I go, Sneaky Pete. So the guy who was next to him, this other guy said, Sneaky Pete. I said, that's what I used to call him when he was growing up. So he says, you knew him? I said, yeah. So I, I, I says, where is he? He says, oh, he's around the corner. I go, I yell out, Sneaky Pete. And he turned around and I go, Sneaky Pete again. And then he came down, you know, and he saw who I was. He goes, oh, Louisa. And he gave me a big hug and a kiss. And they took pictures and stuff like that. And then I met his wife, you know. But he says to me, I says to him, now you don't have to lay down for nothing. He, I see, he says, no, now I don't work. I get money for nada. I don't do anything. I get money. But it was, you know, little the little things that I had, those little references. But yeah. I love Williamsburg. Oh, going to, uh, years and years ago, going over to the Williamsburg Bridge, the trolley cars. Okay, they had yeah. the trolley cars. Now where they have the station, you've got this, this they're on the station with trains go this way, this way, this they used there's a little little opening over there. And what they used to have over there was the trolley cars coming in. 
and the trolley cars will come in, and then they turn around, they go all the way around again, and then they go outside, back on there. They had no walls and nothing. They had, uh, uh, in the summertime, they had bars on the windows, and they had shades. That was your air conditioning, you know. But it was different. I loved the, I loved the trolley cars. They go all over, and then they got the electric trolley cars, and then later on they got the buses. Yeah, the trolleys went all over the borough, right? Yeah. Did you, did you ride them a lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah Five cents. Five cents. Five cents could take you from here to Coney Island. Is that where you would take it? Yeah. Did you ride the rides out there? Yep. Coney Island. Uh, the uh, the cyclone. The parachute tr- the parachute ride that they have near cyclone that used to go all the way up. When you get them up, you'd feel the G coming down. And then you had all those other rides. You had Luna Park. And I miss those things. I miss it. I miss it. It was nice. It was nice to go there. You had, uh, you come from the train station, like I do with my mom. And there was, inside the train station was all these little places that you could buy, like knishes and hot dogs and stuff like that. And I always used to go because the guy would have corn on the cob. And you get a small piece of corn on the cob for a nickel. And he dunk it. And hot melted butter. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it sounds good. And then you would find the guys with the uh, jelly apples. And you stick the jelly apple, the apple right into the hot jelly. And you get that, and they do it with the coconut, pieces of coconut, and with the jelly, you know, jelly coconut. So it's like a candy apple kind yeah, of? Yeah, candy. yeah. Two cents, three cents, depends on the piece of thing. But you didn't need much. Yeah. But it was good. Yeah. It's nice. I don't go to Coney Island anymore. Then I go to Brighton Beach. And uh, my aunt lived in Brighton Beach. And we go there. And uh, go to my mom would go to all the stores and buy all this, the food over there. Like certain things that the Russians could. The Russians like, like you know, Like a blintzer or uh, some borscht or something. You know, something that they would make... Uh, meat pies and take it home you know because that's like the heritage because we got we got german russian and hungarian in our in our blood yeah in your family Mm -hmm. yeah so uh we ate all those foods out there it was nice you know you're making me go down to memory lane and wishing that i was really back there again oh because things, things were so different when I was growing up, I all that. Oh, there's another thing you guys didn't know. I don't know if anybody doesn't remember it, but you didn't just go to the movies when you went to New York. You went to a stage show. Tell me that. Okay, uh, the movies you had the. Oh, the Brooklyn Paramount was the first place to have Frank Sinatra as a, a guest, a performer. And the people used to throw apples and tomatoes at him while he was on stage. It was a sin. But getting back why, to... Why did they throw out? Because he was a skinny little thing, and he had this big bow tie, and you couldn't see him for the bow tie, you know? <laughs> he had a pretty good voice, but I didn't care for him. I was a Tony Bennett fan. I didn't like him. But uh, the, getting back to New York, they had the stage shows. You had the Strand Theater. You had the New York Paramount. You had... Um, oh, God. The Roxy, the Fox... And they would show movies and a stage show. And uh, after the movie was over, 
you get a band, a sore, uh, um, uh, Desi Arnaz, his band, Tony Bennett, Jim, I meant Tony Bennett, uh, uh, Artie Shaw's band, uh, Benny Goodman's band, and what they would do is they would play. They would have comedians, they would have singers, they would have all those things, and then later on it would go go away, and then the you know the second set of the movie would come, and that's how it was. And I used to same to say it. I used to sneak out of school. Say I would I would go to the uh, nurse's office and say I had an asthma attack coming on, and she'd give me a note to go home, and I meet my girlfriend, and we go to the theater, we go to the movies. And one particular time, I got. I got caught by one of my teachers, but I Why told him. Why was your him, teacher at the movies? <laughs> he was sitting in the back of me, and he was going like, doo, 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 hello, Mr. Red, how are you? I says, I'm fine, how are you? And he says, I won't tell if you won't tell. I says, okay, because we both were talking. Tony Bennett was going was, was gonna to perform, and we wanted to see him. So he skipped out on school, So he too. skipped out on school, too. So it was fun. When we went back to school the next day, was, every time he'd see me, he says, oh, la, 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 la. He starts singing the song to me. But that, that's that's how it was. I like it. I miss that. I miss the camaraderie, you know, the togetherness between teachers and students and not the envy or the hate or anything else of your neighbors, jealousy. I, I, I People were different then, you know. You had all types of people. You had, uh, Spanish. I went to a lot of Indian weddings. I went to a Muslim wedding, I went to a Chinese wedding, I went to a Chinese funeral, because all these people, we were all, it was like the League of Nations where I lived, you know, and uh, especially going to school, in high school, and you got with these people, and uh, you know, you got to mingle with them and, and know the things, and I, I had made it the thing that I wanted to learn all about other people's religion, that's what I was doing. And at that particular time, I think I knew more about the Catholic people's religion than the Catholic people did, because I went after it in earnest. I wanted to know why you celebrate this, why you do that. And just like I expected my girlfriend to learn about my religion, but she didn't do it. You know, she was a chicken. Did you learn about all these religions just from, from talking to just people around you? Just from talking to them, you... yeah, going. Like I said, I was the only Jewish girl in a confraternity, right. and I knew a lot of people. And uh, in fact, one time it was very, very sad. And I didn't even went back there after that. Uh, it was a midnight mass, and uh, one of my friends, uh, member of the family, was sick. And I don't make the sign of the cross. I just stay in the back, the last seat in the back, and I do the prayers, like my own prayer, you know. And I'll sing the hymns and everything else and things because I knew that I knew our father in in, in Latin. I could say it in Latin, but this one particular midnight mass, I went. It was supposed to be to help my girlfriend and her family, you know, by prayers and stuff. And I was sitting down, minding my own business, and uh, this woman, the father, we, Father Lou, he came and he was doing the sermon. And this woman stood up and she said, "She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to sit here while the heathen." is in the church and he said what heathen what heathen are you talking about so she says there's a heathen in here and you have to get her out 
and I'm not going to sit here. So he came down from the pulpit, he excused himself, he came down from the pulpit and he went over to her and he says, who are you talking about? And she pointed to me. And he says, she's 14 years old, what are you pointing at her for? What kind of heathen? She's a heathen, she doesn't belong in here. She's Jewish. So he looked at her and he said, yes. And go up there by the altar. You see the man on the cross? Yeah, he was Jewish too. So if you come to see him, you should come to see her. And if you don't mind, now I want you to leave. Good on him. He told her to go. How did she know you were Jewish? Because I knew the night. She was a nosy little, you know, biatch there. But uh, first time I saw her, in the, she saw me because I used to go into this other little section of the church when I go. But never went back there. Never went back there again. Never because it, I was doing a good thing for somebody and she turned it into a nasty thing. Yeah. And I felt like the church was tainted after a while. I just didn't want to do it. And the priest came, used to come to my house and tell, yes, come to see me and tell my mom that she should, my mother says, look, I don't approve of her going to church, okay? Because I know deep down you people are trying to convert her, that's what she tell them. But she said, this is her decision. She said she was hurt very badly and she doesn't want to go there again. That's how it ended. Yeah. Did she hurt me? She really did. Because all the years, I mean, midnight. You know what it is to for a fourteen-year-old girl who's not doesn't have to go to church to get up to stay there till midnight or to go up to sunrise services. I could have been in bed, but I went. I went to go show respect for my friends. You know and. That's how I learned all about those other people's religions and things, you know, and uh, going to the weddings because when pe when I'm a people person, okay, I like people. Just don't hurt me, but I like people. And the thing is that if I could, I would do lots of things for you. And uh, but some people they're not like that, you know, and. I wish it was. I wish it was different. I wish it was a, was a a different world. Like I come home, I go shopping in Greenpoint, and I come home on the bus, and I see these kids, and I say, "Oh, please, dear God, don't let them be this country. Please, dear God, they're gonna ruin this country. The cursing, the fighting, the insults, the noise. This is the new generation, and it hurts me so much to see this." They're not all, they're not all, but then you got the stabbing, the shootings in the schools, the people don't respect people, you know, and, and I was always taught to respect, I, I taught my children to respect, and I hope they teach their children to respect, but it's hard, it's hard, I mean, I lived a life, 82 years old, been there, done that, like my kids, we, one of my daughters, when I was feeling very bad, her girlfriend came over to me, her girlfriend says to me, hey, I have a marijuana. I go, been there, done that. I said, what do you think, you invented it? There was another time, speaking about the marijuana plant, my daughter's girlfriend 
gave, she was going overseas and uh, she gave me this plant and she said, Lois, can you do me a favor? Could you water it and take care of it while I'm gone for about, a, you know, about a week? I said, sure, no problem. Because I love plants. I had, I had a, a, a herb garden, you know, on one side. So she had it there. And my daughter, one of my daughters at the time was going out with a transit cop. And when he used to work on the, the Broadway line, he would get up at Marcy Avenue and go get donuts or something and bring it to my house. Him and a friend, you know, and have coffee and we'd sit around. He spent his lunch hour in my house. And there's one day he came home, came to my house, knocked the door, and I said, come on in, I'm making coffee. So I made the coffee, and he goes over to the window, and he goes, what's that? I said, that's a plant. Whose is it? I'm minding it for Cindy's girlfriend. Do you know what that is? No. He says, you know, you can be arrested right now. Arrested for what? He says, that's a marijuana plant. And he says, and I'm taking it. I said, then what are you going to tell Cindy's girlfriend? He says, you're going to tell her girlfriend. So I says to him, and he says, and if, you, and he says, and if you're going to be nasty about it, I'm going to put you in handcuffs and take you to the police station. I says, yes, yeah, sure. You and who else? And then he started to come over. I'm going to put my hand handcuffs. And then my daughter, one of my daughters came home and she said, what are you doing to my mother? He says, your mother's growing marijuana. So he took the plant and it was about this high. And uh, Cindy's girlfriend came home from a vacation. She came to my house. I told Cindy, I said, Yo, if she wants her plant, she got to go to the 90th precinct because I don't have it. And he, she said, why? I said, well, because... What the heck was that? Richie. I said, Richie and his friend came over and they saw the plant. They took the plant. I said, they were going to put me in jail because I was growing marijuana. So she went and told me, we laughed about it. We had a big laugh about it. And then her girlfriend came to my house. I said, I don't even want you in my house. Don't even come near me in my house. I don't want you. Go, 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 go. Stop it. You know? Yeah. Because she didn't tell you. She wasn't straightforward. No. <laughs> Well, who the heck know that him was going to come over and, you know, and go and see what it was? I didn't even know what it was. I said, it's a plant. He goes, how come you don't know? I said, because I don't smoke it. How do I know what it is? I don't know. It's a plant. It's a green plant. It needs water and light. And that's it. It's true. Yeah. That's how I was. Well, do you have any lessons you want to share with me? No, just... I wish that sometimes we could go back. I'd go back about how many years? Oh, when, uh, let me see, BJ, uh, uh, Pearl Harbor was 41. D-Day was my birthday, June 6th. And I, we were in school, and having and the principal called uh, an immediate audience that we all had to go to the assembly, the auditorium. He had this big news, and uh, he told us, "Come out!" And he said, well, "You know about the war, and soon maybe the war is going to be over." And a couple of he went on and on and on, and one of the 
kids in school asked him, well, why? So he says, because the Americans landed in France. They landed in Normandy. This is D-Day. This is the start of the Allies going in. I said, yay, this is my birthday. <laughs> you said that out loud? I didn't realize it, you know. And the teacher says, what? I said, this is my birthday. What a good birthday present I got. You know the good birthday present I got? My great-granddaughter was born on my birthday this year. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Isabel, she's six months old. Oh. But that's it. That's what I would like to do. I'd like to go for one, one moment, go back in time. You know, but a good year and a good time. And just inhale it. Take it all in. You know, forget about the hate, forget about ISIS, forget about the school being killed, the kids being killed, people being killed, people slashing it. Just go back in a good part. Everybody, everybody should have that power to just go back for one part of time in their life. A good time. I wish. That's what I wish. If people wish, they wish for this, they wish for that's what I wish for. That you could go for that one perfect moment in time when you were happy. Yeah. Huh? That's a so good much. wish, right? Yeah, that's a great wish. That's it. I wish that for everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking with me, Lois. You're welcome. <laughs>